This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Caldera Lab. Gentlemen, first impressions matter. And if you're not taking care of your skin, people will notice, especially when you get older. Myself and Graham, we, we both know about that, don't we, Graham? We, we both know about I, that. I'm still fresh-faced. I don't know what you're talking uh, about. I, 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 I'm still a fresh-faced baby <laughs> assassin over here. Well, I'm getting more fresh-faced thanks to our it friends. Must be all that, it must be all that Caldera Lab I've been using. It is, yeah. It is. Caldera Lab. That's where it's at. Caldera Labs. That's where they come in. Their products reduce the visibility of wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. Show your skin who's boss and make a great first impression with Caldera Lab. You can uh, use our promo code severe mma and get 20 percent off these guys at caldera lab have figured out skincare for men so you don't have to they just have the best products for your wellness routine um have you seen their ads check out their website i you know everyone i think has seen them now on, on social media they're really really cool um and it's you know their, their products absolutely do show it here it is caldera labs clinical trials have found 94 percent of men's skin showed an overall younger looking appearance after using their products for only a few weeks you'll be seeing their products paying off in absolutely no time and where to start with Caldera Lab is the regimen to twice a day routine to transform your skin and it includes three products the clean slate the base layer and the good that first one the clean slate starts off your day it's a face wash uh, to leave you refreshed and you have the base layer for your uh, moisturization to hydrate your skin throughout today and the good is your multifunctional serum at night that helps your skin look tighter and smoother as well as helps reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines every drop of this serum is packed with 3.4 million antioxidant units protecting your skin no other brand does that better yet Calera Lab is the only brand that cares this uh, about this enough to even know and the Calera Lab Icon Serum is another great thing as well that addresses the three most common concerns around the eyes, which are fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness. And if you're an MMA fan, you know all about them after staying up really late. Uh, skincare is important, but doesn't have to be difficult. One minute in the morning and at night is all it takes to reduce your wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. And just for our audience, we have this exclusive offer, and this is our best offer available anywhere. Use the promo code SEVEREMMA at calderalab.com and get 20% off. That's C-A-L-D-E-R-A-L-A-B.com. And you can get 20% off with the code SEVEREMMA. Make an unforgettable first impression that leads to the charming words, you look younger. So 20% off at calderalab.com using the promo code Severe MMA. If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up from the rewatch to the QA. We will have loads of content every week. So sign up patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. 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 The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. 
Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 432 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, aka the pod god, the uh, the deadline day dynamo, the, the, the Johnny Evans of MMA. <laughs> the, oh, Jesus. Joined today by the uh, Arthur Mello of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald, as we talk about a pretty big week in the world of, uh, of mixed martial arts. And we're getting straight into it. We, we changed it around. We put the ads at the start this time. So we're getting straight into the, the mixed martial arts today, Graham. Um, yeah, do you know what? this? I, I, I was just walking in there. I was putting in the dogs and stuff before we... Uh, got into this Paris card. And I was trying to think, like, we always talk about the opening, just saw oh, what's the card like, and then we get into specific things. Do you know what? I found this a very weird card. Do you know what it reminded me of? And, and maybe it was just the way I had, like, my television volume or something, but it reminded me of, like, um, do you know, was it the South African World Cup where there was Vuvuzelas going all the time, and it was just, like, it was very hard to, like, concentrate in the games, and it was just, like, this non-stop background noise. Now... That's that's a good thing. There's at times like when it's it's crowd and it's people roaring and showing, but it it felt like it felt like a soccer match or it felt like a crowd that was. And I I've, I've listened. It's funny. I listened to um, I don't know if you know him, Lance Storm. He's like a famous wrestler from like the the two thousand and stuff. And he used to say he used to hate wrestling in uh, in the United Kingdom, especially because they didn't like react to the matches. They were just kind of just singing in the background, so you couldn't get like a feel for the crowd and stuff. And I feel like it was a little bit that way. And I would <laughs> the clear exception of the Kale and Lockran and obviously the wins when Sharia got the win and the finishes and stuff like that but it was it was a cool different crowd I'm not definitely not complaining about it but it was just a bit odd to me did you find the same, same way Graham or did you I don't think ahead? it was odd I think I'm used to it from like you know European shows where obviously in American shows there isn't really sing-alongs and kind of like national chants going on that often but uh, Ireland's kind of a different, different kettle of fish but around Europe there is kind of that kind of you know, sing song kind of football uh, support, uh, soccer support, where where like you know, uh, there's kind of um, if there's not something extremely exciting happening, they kind of fill the the noise to kind of uh, keep the atmosphere going. So I thought it was pretty good. Like uh, I was watching on Virgin Media, so uh, I don't know if the mixing was different on that than than where you were watching, but. Um, Maybe where you were watching, they managed to get back from the ads before the rounds were, were already 20 seconds in. Oh, but, uh, did they do that in Virgin Media again? I, oh, I, I was watching again, on yeah. BT, yeah. Can they not, like, stop? I know, they must work for the PGMOL or something. They can't work a stopwatch. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Not when, no, PGMOL are better at the stopwatches now, aren't they? Ah, Jesus, they're a little bit better, but like, come on, like they they haven't been able to work a stopwatch between them across millennia. Yeah, it's been it has been a while, in fairness, but yeah, I suppose that's just kind of the background of it all. What it's weird though, because look, we've experienced it here in Ireland, I suppose, with the uh, not introduction of MMA, but the introduction maybe of big time MMA over the last while, and I suppose being um, from a country that doesn't have. Um, a an organization like France is our organization, and we look, we have refs and, and judges and stuff like that, but almost t- totally, I don't think it has actually happened yet. Um, I, I think a few Irish ju- uh, refs have judged or ref here, in fairness, but w- with the judges and stuff, they haven't been brought in as much, or like they, they, do, they haven't been like may, put into places like they have with the French Commission. Um, and like talking this week to people about the French Commission, any tweet I put out, I got a message from like. You know, people in the know and go, oh, 
that the French Commission, <laughs> the French Commission. Like there has been a lot of talk this week about the French Commission and stuff. We we will get into the the law shot, but the change of opponent for Kaelin Locker and uh, and all of that, and like that being allowed. And you know, I remember the last time when there was the French um, the French event. There was like the twenty nine twenty nine, and there's just been a lot of issues. I think, and that's you know, MMA is new to the country in the 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 kind of the guys we have it at the moment. Um, I don't think the refs and judges have kind of reached the level of others and you see that with some of the cards from tonight and you see that with some of the decisions uh, as well and you see it like alongside maybe the UK judges which were, were absolutely fantastic and things and you know I, I, I don't know it's sometimes we see look we see it all the time we see it in Texas as well and things like throw, kind of throwing people in there it's just I don't know it doesn't necessarily work like that like throw them in there when they're good enough to throw them in there type of thing but yeah I don't know I kind of got off topic there in your game what do you think bring us bring us back there the, 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 I love I feel like I'm giving out too much about him. It was pretty good. It was a good event, and you know, we, we it all went down well. Anyway, let's get into it. Um, I I, I just want to talk about the main event first, and then we'll get to the um, to the Irish lads maybe after, and maybe, and maybe we'll go to the top two first, and then the Irish lads. This was just an absolute mauling here for Sil Ganya, wasn't it, Graham? Like, I you know, I was googling a picture of Sil Ganya hitting a. Um, hitting a heavy bag as Sinead Kavanagh tweeted me <laughs> that he was basically in there against the punching bag. I'm like, I can't remember Spivak throwing a punch, never mind landing a punch. It was an absolute destruction, wasn't it? Yeah, well, early on he, he was trying, but after Gan had kind of worked the the body so well and 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 the head obviously as well, he he just didn't really have an answer for it. And you could even see the I think it was like a rib at like or something that like popped on the side on the left hand side of Spivak's body. And he, I think he was trying not to put his arm down to block it, but a couple of times his arm kind of slipped down. And uh, like if you're if you're blocking the body, Cyril Gan is going to hit you with big powerful shots. And you know Gan looked really comfortable obviously coming off a kind of devastating loss and stuff there's obviously questions we saw like years ago with Francis Ngannou coming back off a loss and things like that and it, it, sometimes it can affect you but he looked like he looked like he was you know still undefeated with loads of momentum and he looked like he looked so comfortable and he, you know he, he, he wasn't fearing the takedown which you you could have uh, understood if he was yeah 100% it was, look it was one of those ones that it's the perfect I suppose um, comeback fight after what happened uh, in the in the Jones fight and look it, I suppose more so than anything else as someone who's uh, been a, I suppose a big fan of Cyril Gagne and his style over the last years it's just so unfortunate that we didn't get to see that Jones fight be the fight that we wanted to see it now look we're we're talking about mixed martial arts here and mixed martial arts won out the day in that fight so I'm not complaining about it in any way but I'm complaining about not being able to see a great fight due to Cyril Gagne's inadequacies um as you said, look, any opportunity that Spivak got to show them up, it was quickly taken away. So that's the that's the key. And we'll talk about it in some of the other fights later on as well, but like the key to not getting taken down sometimes is not good takedown defense. It's good movement, the good footwork. And they actually talked about it in the middle of this fight as well. Um you know, John Gooden is just so great, but Bisping even said, Bisping had a kind of a bad night. He kind of took up the DC buffoon role uh, at times there. I'm like, well, what are you doing here? But um, anyway, they, they did talk about it a little bit. And I think it was, it's so true, especially for someone like Gagne. Like the, the big difference though between like Gagne and let's say if this was a 155 or 145 or something like that, where like it's a strong wrestler, Gagne is able to pick... Um, a position like 
half a step outside of range or even like not actually half a step inside of range where Spivak is too slow to take him down and too slow to hit him and too slow to move out of the way of his shots and like it's just easy pickings for Ganya there like the problem is when you come up against someone like John Jones or you come up against someone like uh, Nganu who's not too slow uh, you're, you're reaching problems but it's almost impossible to prepare for those guys because there's really no one else who can do that now maybe we'll see with Aspinall and stuff and see how that works out but that might turn into that striking matchup again but it's it's interesting for Ganya like it's almost impossible for him to to improve at that in fights like he's I don't know I, I don't know what he's going to have to do. like he's going to have to either change up massively the way he fights when he gets back in against those sort of lads like if he does because like okay Francis is gone um, John Jones is fighting Stipe and he's kind of like saying I'm going to retire but you never know about them either way I think he's probably not going to uh, rematch Ganyo over next while and like it's, he's kind of stuck in a no man's land then of just being way better than everyone else and maybe not getting the opportunity to beat any of the top guys. It's a, it's a weird sort of position. Like, I think Aspinall makes a lot of sense, though. Yeah, I think it does. What, how do you think that fight would go? You know, um, I'd like for Aspinall to have another fight back after such a big injury, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, I think... Whew, that's that's a serious fight. I'd have to go back and watch tape before making a making a pick there. Get off but just the before fence. we go off Spivak, um, like what what do you think Spivak could have done? Do you think there's like any kind of route, route to victory against Ganya fighting like that or Ganya fighting like that? Or do you think you know? I always remember the second fight between Cain Velasquez and Junior De Santos, where people kind of forget the first round because he put on such a beating on Junior De Santos um, from then on, but. He was literally like jumping at legs, jumping at ankles, falling like it yeah. was messy. Take down against mess, just making Junior Santos as uncomfortable and just a really sloppy fight, and just not letting them be smooth and not letting them get it, get the shots and making them worried that at any second, even if the takedown isn't really on, that you know Kane's going to go for this takedown. Like, would you think that would have been a possibility just to go? balls out to the wall in terms of jumping out legs. See, yeah, see, I probably would, yeah, but there, there's two, uh, you know, ends of that argument. There's that fight, right, where it ends up working, and then there's, like, the Eddie Alvarez-McGregor one. Remember where after that, like, we're probably here saying, oh, he should go for more takedowns, and people are after McGregor-Alvarez Alvarez fighting going, like, oh, he should have gone for more takedowns. But you got, go back and look at it, and he goes for loads of them, and he just kind of gets picked off and knocked down and stuff when he's gone for the takedowns. You're like, you're if you're Spivak, right, every time you move, you're already getting hit. Like, <laughs> he's caught in such a no-man's land well, there. he's got such a big advantage on the ground if we're, if we're yeah. going off, you know, the last loss of, of Ghana. So, yeah, like, uh, I think he was just kind of outclassed by the better guy, but, you know, he should have been a bit more, I think, kind of desperate if, if, that's, yeah. if that could be a good thing with his takedown attempts or his, at least grabbing a hold of, of Cyril and making him uncomfortable. Yeah, there like there's times where you probably have to just take that chance, especially like when you're in a fight and you're like seven minutes in and you realize like this is just going over. Like at at that point in this fight, or even like three minutes into this fight, I was kind of saying like, well, there's two ways this goes. Can you just like moves around him for five rounds and it's you know like fifty forty two or fifty forty five or whatever, or he just like unloads in him at one stage because he is so confident and just kind of takes him out of there. Like it was one of those fights. You just knew it was going to continue in the same vein. Like, and 
it's like it's so easy to sit here and say, "Oh, go for it more." And like he got knocked out, out where he got knocked out without even going for it more. <laughs> you know, so imagine what it would have happened if he did go for it more. But I suppose then you're one of those things. Like, look at the Korean Zombie, the last day I kind of gave out about him for going for it more. Then I know most people didn't know. I maybe I was a bit harsh on him, but like that's the thing. You either you know some people choose to either go out with their shield or, or go out on it, and other people just you know. <laughs> they just choose to wait and it goes like that and it, I'm, I'm not actually criticizing him about that I'm just like saying I actually I don't know I don't under, I don't really uh, I don't really think it was the wrong thing to do necessarily because you're caught in such a place like the thing is right and uh, the first point I made kind of melds with the point you just made because like to have good takedown defense, you almost make takedown defense not be a part of the fight by using your footwork and using your placement and everywhere like that. And like we talk all the time about how how strikers beat wrestlers. How strikers beat wrestlers is by getting it into a striker fight. And how do you do that? You take the initiative, you jab them, you put them in a, uh, I suppose, a headspace and a literal space in the cage where they can't wrestle and where you um, can strike. Like, I'm sure Spivak probably wanted to walk forward get a double leg and take him down the middle of the cage or push him against the, the cage take him down against the cage but like there wasn't one second in that fight where he was able to push him straight back he was either getting pushed back himself or Ganya was stepping to the left stepping to the right and then getting into a position where he again was pushing Spivak back like there wasn't a second like if anything you do is taking a chance, right? Anything you do in that uh, space is taking a chance because you literally, you literally had no chance to um, dive on a mistake that your opponent made because he didn't make one. He was in the perfect position at all times, and that is a tough task to do at heavyweight. Look what look what happened to Federer last week. Like to do it at heavyweight against someone like Cyril Gagne, and like you're right. Look, uh, I'm sure f- I'm sure like everyone listening to me at home is probably saying, you know, fair enough. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. But every fighter is probably saying, fuck it, I would have done that. <laughs> you know, type of thing. So this is this is probably the one occasion where the you know the fighters are like. Be a bit more harsh on us type of thing. I don't know, but yeah, it was. Look, it was at the end of the day, Graham. It was just a complete mismatch here, wasn't it? It was just a yeah, yeah. Here it, he just got outclassed. But you know, I just feel like his his game plan must have been. You know, he must have been working on some kind of entry or some kind of way to to grab a hold of Cyril or uh, I don't know. Yeah, it was, they were probably waiting for a mistake that never came. But um, when he was shelling up at the end, just try and grab a hold of him, make him make him like take him out of his rhythm make him uncomfortable i i was expecting a little bit more from spivak but you know it was a really really kind of flawless performance from cyril and you know as i said he bounced back like like he was like he never lost and it just goes to show how phenomenal john jones is really that's the kind of takeaway from from, also obviously cyril like bouncing back is a massive takeaway but yeah you know when you see some of john jones's victories and then see his opponents that he's destroyed and how well some of them do it's just He's just a phenom. He really is. Also, another takeaway I took from this was for the first time ever, and I never even realized that Cyril Gan's nickname is not Bongamine, it's Bongaman, which Cyril Bongaman Gan. It rhymes. 
I never realized that before. <laughs> Did you? I, I, uh, no, I never even thought about it, but I, I don't know if I even, I don't know. I think he can do it with a better, a better you nickname. Go, you go. Send, in, send in suggestions. <laughs> Cyril, the man, Gan. What about that? Is that better? We go with that? No. Okay. Uh, right. Let's uh, let's talk about the Coleman event. Uh, Manon Firo against uh, Rosanami Yunus. And this was... Minus Pinky. Minus a pinky. It was it was an interesting fight. There was a couple of fights. Like we'll talk about the uh, Reese McKee fight in a minute, but it felt like that fight and this fight were completely changed by something that happened in like the first minute of the fight. And Rosnam Yunus, either I, I, obviously we're recording this directly after, so we haven't heard the press conference or anything. But Rosnam Yunus dislocating or breaking or whatever it might have been her pinky. Yeah, I, I her. thought it was looked like it was dislocated the way it was hanging, but yeah. I'm surprised like the corner didn't like pull it or like. But they just ignored it. Like I they were like, oh, forget weird. about that. Yeah. Just throw throw it hard. It's like, yeah, well, do you want to like put it back into place for me there? <laughs> yeah. <Keep going. laughs> I thought the exact same thing. That was bizarre. Like, and Pat Barry is like, yeah, that's probably why you should have a proper corner man in your corner and not like, you know, an ex fighter you just happen to be going out with. Like, I, it's just, yeah, I that was very very odd. Like and not like not to say they could have done anything on it or not to say it was dislocated and not broken or anything, but yeah, it definitely seemed like uh, that was an issue that could have been. But uh, I, I, I want to get your thinking. Do you think it like changed the whole fight that injury? Uh, yeah, like in, in a way it did because the right hand wasn't thrown very often at all. After that, it was kind of pawed out there, but it was basically uh, it was basically all all from the left from from or nearly all from the left, which is. You know, obviously, going to send signals to your opponent and give them an advantage and give you a disadvantage. But you know, not to say that it's swung it so much that Rose would have won. It's just hard to know. Yeah, I I think the fact that she kind of like um, her her ability to switch stances that she often does was kind of taken away because she was fighting in southpaw for the whole thing almost. And when she wasn't fighting in southpaw, she was just kind of throwing the jab. And she was throwing the right hand, but it was just like not properly, though, not properly. Yeah. No, it was, it was just kind of thrown out there, and it was, yeah, it was not right. But still, it was a, it, it was one of those fights, right? That was probably closer than it looked. You know, it it, it nothing massive happened in it um, throughout almost all of the three rounds, but it just felt like Firo was just like a little bit ahead. That Rose's ability to kind of um, win the distance battle that she had done in the past or be faster was just taken away because she was, you know, one handed basically throughout the whole fight. And I think I think actually Philip O'Connor tweeted it that it was like the the fight was ruined by it. You know, and it's a weird one, right? Because I'm not sure how it happened, but it doesn't matter how it happened because this is mixed martial arts. This is the hurt business. If you get hurt, that's part of it. You know, I, I always I always get reminded of um remember the Arsenal Barcelona Champions League final when Jens Lemon got sent off after like Letty. twenty minutes or whatever. And people are like, Oh, he got he shouldn't have sent him off, it ruined the game. But like he deserved to get sent off, right? <laughs> so I was like, you can't just say it ruined the game. <laughs> uh, because he got sent off, but like he deserved to get sent off. That's part of the game. If someone does a red card offense, they deserve to get sent off. Like this changed the fight because it was an injury in a fight in a sport where injuries matter. You know, say, the, the same as like Sean O'Malley and, and Cheeto back in the day. Like if you're if your body just doesn't hold up. Now it's something different. Like if you're, let's say, do you remember that time? Um, 
oh what's his name um, Nate Marquardt's like foot got stuck in the cage like something like that now is very unfortunate like I'm not to say this isn't unfortunate but also it's part of fighting like it really really is part of fighting and uh, yeah look I do it. I do think it changed the fight and it, do you know what it probably changed for Figueroa as well to be honest because she wasn't fighting the same fighter that she was expecting to fight and you know when you're fighting someone uh, from like predominantly southpaw and you're expecting them to change or they're changing kind of in a different way it kind of can be a bit off-putting too and it was one of those fights I saw a few people kind of criticizing the actual fight itself and uh, like I understand why it didn't turn out to maybe be the the, the fight it was uh, and it's tough and what do you think as well Graham about like we, we spoke about it in the preview show and there's kind of a, a six-way or, or a three-fight um, tournament here for the belt. And obviously we had Aaron Blanchfield winning last week. We had Firo winning here. And then we have, uh, in two weeks' time, the title on the line with Grasso and Shevchenko. And you would think, look, if Shevchenko wins, they'll probably do the trilogy. But if Grasso wins, someone's going to be next up for the title. I don't think Shevchenko will get uh, another shot. And I had said in the preview show that like a win over Nami Yunus will probably mean more, said, than a win over Talia Sam that's whether right or wrong but now do you think it's the same Graham like this I feel like this injury is maybe taken away a little bit from Firo as well and her possibility of getting it like it she doesn't have that clean win over Nami Yunus even though it's absolutely no fault of her own do you think that'll play into it I don't think it's like not a clean win in terms in the, in the thinking of the UFC if it was like you know um some kind of controversial low blow or something like we're like we'll go on to talk about the lens of fight or something weird like that. But you know, people break their hands, injure their legs, injure their foot. You know, all the time. Like you know, a rib pops. We saw that Spivak looked like a rib popped on his left hand side. You know, these aren't like I think Rose maybe has admitted in in the past a little bit that she's maybe a little bit uh, mentally up and down when she's in the flow and believes she's the best, she's, she's brilliant. And when she's doubting herself and, you know, maybe uh, things kind of have a way of going wrong in her head. Maybe, maybe she's a little bit sensitive to things compared to other guys. Like other guys might, if they have that problem, they, they might be just pulling it back into place themselves or doing whatever they can and just throwing it. Like, and for Faro, like for, it's, it's a difficult one because she like you know Rose could throw that right hand at any time, and you know she's got to be wary of that in the fight. But it's definitely kind of changes your 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 game. It gives you something to think about that you weren't expecting, and you know. But for her, like you know, she dominated the fight, and it would be it'd be pretty harsh to take anything away from her. Um, yeah, I don't think it was it was like a bizarre enough thing, like a, an unusual enough thing that uh, it would it would stunt her in terms of you know. Uh, Getting towards the the next fight, the next fight that the UFC would have been planning if she if she had gone out in there and beaten like a hundred percent rose. Yeah, I, I would, I would, I would hope so. I would, and I would, I would agree with you that it shouldn't. But I'm, I'm not sure. Look, a lot of this as well is about who is kind of fit, and that cut was nasty as well. Like it was in a good place, I suppose. If if any cut could be in a yeah. good place, but yeah, he clashed. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was an odd one, but like, uh, I don't know, like Blanchfield, it's not to say Blanchfield doesn't deserve it either, like, because, you know, she had a good kind of comeback win against, uh, uh, against Sally Santos, even though, I, I, like, a few people in the Q&A last week were like, oh, was it that impressive and stuff, and I'm like, you're, you're challenging the number three ranked person on planet Earth, like, there's only like one person. behind, <laughs> well, like a bit of adversity yeah. there, it's a good sign. 
Yeah, there's only one person apart from you or two, maybe you know, who, who's as good as her. And if you come, you know, you beat her, and that's that's a good win, no matter no matter how you do it, I suppose. But and it wasn't that she performed badly or anything. It was just that maybe she didn't blow her away as some people were expecting. And you know, the this Firo one, I suppose the same could be said. But I think a, that's a, that was the whole point. Like the Rose and Amunis having kind of more respect is probably the the thing over Tyler Santos. I wonder for Rose after this, like this sort of loss is probably like, a, oh, look, let's give it another try at 125. If the injury hadn't happened, I would have won type of thing. And like, you know, sometimes that's built on, uh, you know, built on, on uh, ice that, that will be melting pretty soon. But sometimes it's built on concrete. And um, I think maybe one of the, this is probably one of the signs. But at the same time, I saw the other day there was someone talking about she walks around at 128 and she put on um, a bit of weight and got up to like 137 or something for this and then cut down from there. But like, if you're only cutting 13 pounds to get to 115, now people, you know, some people might think that's absolutely insane, but, you know, you're taking probably five or six pounds of that off before you get near your cut and then you're only cutting like, what, seven or eight pounds. So like, I don't think it's a big issue getting down. And she said that herself now, it's just just me saying it. Um, so I think go back down, win a fight and then fight for the title probably because you have two wins over the champion down there. So, but like the problem that with that is you're probably either fighting Yan Zhaonan or you're fighting, um, or, or you're fighting, um, uh, uh, her name is Suarez, Tatiana Suarez. So that's tough uh, as it gets as well. So I, I don't know. We'll see. I suppose. For, it's good uh, to have loads of potential matchups, and you yeah. know the divisions have developed really well. Like you know, obviously, uh, featherweight is a joke, but or so, yeah, women's featherweight is a joke. But besides that, the other divisions are you know there's some very good fighters. There's, there's hard fight to call. There's, there's contenders coming up, kind of calling for a title shot. It's it's a very healthy position from where it was only a few years ago. Yeah, indeed. Like, as you said, 125 pounds. I remember I had Zen Simon on um, the state of the UFC, and he kind of said it would go like this. And I was a little bit skeptical, but it, no doubt about it, he was 100% right, and it's a very good division now. And, um, you know, just say, like, if you think about it right, um, the there's some massive matchups coming up at, let's say, 115 and 125, because, like, at 115, you have Zhang Weili and... She could be fighting Yan Jonan in China, which would be massive. Two Chinese fighters. She could be fighting Suarez, which would be absolutely massive. You think um, it's better before we just move on for that? I think it's yeah. better have like a, you know, not two Chinese fight against each other in China. I don't know. I don't know. It depends. Like, like the, 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 the French, the French fight there yeah. between the two French guys was probably the, you know, the the weirdest atmosphere. I know it ended like in a, in a weird controversial fashion, but. It, I don't know. I always, I think I prefer when you know the yeah. the hometown heroes like the clear you know number one in in their town do or in their country. Do you reckon China is such a big country? Like in America, after sues Americans fighting, it's you know no one bats an eyelid. Do you reckon it's the same in China? Maybe, but maybe not because there isn't that many I Chinese athletes in the UFC. Yeah, yeah you might, you sure. might be a good I, point. I really don't know. Yeah, it might be a good point. But either way, like if it did happen, it'd be a massive event. And like then it, you know. Um, 125 as we're talking about here like this I, I'm really looking forward to Grasso and Shevchenko seeing how that plays out and then like Blanchfield and Firo are probably two of the most clear you know contenders destined for a title shot in all of the UFC in any division like like if you actually go through it like they're two of the most clear and it's all in the one division like and in a division where 
Shevchenko's no longer the champion. It's that's like that's really that's healthy. Like that's really really healthy. So that's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And um, long may it continue. Right. Um, let's move on. Um, let, let's talk about the Irish lads. So altogether, um, we start with the the recent key fight. Look, again, I talked about the Rose Namajunas fight it changing very early because of the injury. I think this fight changed very early because of that massive uh, right hand that Angelusa landed. Like, Reese's whole game plan, I would think, would be to go out and control the fight. And we've talked about it so many times, Graham. Be calm and be assured and get behind your jab and use your length and control the fight. And once he was hit hard early and taken down, that is naturally kind of going going to go all out the window, and it did, and it took until like like he did it at times, but a lot of it kind of seemed like right. I need to I need to get back into that position, and maybe it was a little bit until the third round he got it got it a, a bit towards the end until he kind of got that control when it was kind of desperation. It, like it was one of those ones you would just love to have it again if you're reason not get hit by that big big shot it like he look back on it and he'll think it wasn't his best performance of all time like you have to avoid that shot early and then after the shot the reaction look the reaction was good in terms of surviving and good in terms of being an absolute warrior but in terms of getting back to the actual game plan itself it just didn't happen for too long I think and we'll go through it bit by bit in a minute Graham but what, what was your overall thinking I suppose of, of this fight yeah, I think we, we were talking about it in the group. Um, I think he looked a bit nervous, even walking out and getting into yeah. the cage. Um, you know, we've seen we've seen uh, Reese up close and personal loads of times over the years in the regional scene and Bama and you know Cage War everywhere, and um, it, it was a different kind of look on his face. He just looked nervous, I think. And obviously, you know, having had a stint in the UFC and being cut is probably a, a lot of pressure to go in there and prove yourself. But I think maybe. The slow start in the fight and kind of looking a bit off was maybe maybe I'm putting two and two together again five, but I think I think it was down to nerves and the the, the pressure at the moment maybe. So you know he, he obviously you know uh, had his moments in the fight and in in the, in the third round he really poured it on. I I'm not sure if it was a body shot that 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 um that he heard Lusa with, but. I might have missed something, but yeah, he he pulled it on at the end, and Lusa looked in trouble. And maybe if there was another thirty seconds or another minute left in the round, or you know, another couple of rounds, which which Reese has, has fought five rounds a few times, it, it might have been different. Obviously, people fight at different paces uh, in a five in a in a five round um, as opposed to a three round and all that. But yeah, I think the slow start and the kind of nervous energy that he seemed to, to have around him and um, falling behind. Um, I think I think that I think that played into it. Like I, I'm no um psychologist or whatever, but he there was a there was this a different body language and a different look in his face that uh that we usually don't see. And I think maybe the maybe the nerves in the moment might have got to him a bit. Yeah, I I would tend to agree. Now that is our call. I saw based on having watched Reese down through the years and talked about how good he is. When he's not like that, if you get me, like when he is flowy and moving, like there's there aren't many people at this level anyway, uh, in terms of like the entry level of the UFC or in the the, the I suppose the, the European scene who are going to beat Reese and like he's still young and obviously improving and all of that. There's but it's it's look, it's it's a weird one because I think that is the case, but it's also Hard to say that because the fight changed so quickly, so early, 
because of that big like remember that fight i don't know it was six or seven months ago and it was like an immediate takedown just like jumping and we're like jesus this just completely changed everyone's expectations on how this fight was going to go it was a little bit like that except like more expect everyone expected loser to throw the big right hand down through the middle but having said all of that it was actually like a relatively close fight now it could have been a bit further apart or it could have been a bit closer because it was one of those just to maybe even go through the rounds like the first I round. thought it was a nice uppercut in the first round by Reese yeah. that kind of got no sold by the commentators. But uh. there, was a, there was a bit of that, I thought. Right? But like, it, after the big shot and in the takedown, I thought Reese won like the last two and a half minutes of that round and made it like a relatively close round. Look, I scored it for loose and I think uh, he was right to win it, but I, like, I could see a card there. The second, absolutely, loose almost finished him. There's an argument the fight could have been stopped. Um, Reese was could winning on the feed early. Think, could have been, yeah, could have been a 10 and That's why I said it could have been even further apart. Like, Reese was winning on the feed and I think that's what probably stopped the 10-8 there. And it was, it was exactly the halfway point he was taking down. He kind of got up quick. And then he just got like battered with a pile of shots against the cage and almost finished. But there's no one as tough or as big a warrior as Reese McKee out there. And even in the third round, he got taken down immediately again. It's a few like he kept going for that guillotine. It's like don't just the you know going full Franz Malambo. <laughs> you know, just like don't do it. Push the head down, defend the takedown. And like we've seen with Reese in the past, like the takedown defense has been an issue. Um and like, and just maybe to finish off the third round, like he really came on strong at the end of the third round. Um, almost finished Lusa at a couple of points. I don't think it was maybe as as close maybe as it looked, but Lusa was in trouble, and he definitely won that round. One judge. Did you see what shot it was? That, that I didn't that know. I, I didn't. I, as you were saying it there, I agreed. I didn't. I didn't see it at all. It was. Yeah, I think it was. I like. I think it was one of those like he threw it as Lusa was kind of moving, and the cameras, the angle didn't catch it or something. It must have been like a right hand inside or something. Yeah, I didn't see it either. But yeah, um, Christoph Capus, the judge, scored that third round for uh, for Lusa, which is just unconscionable, really. <laughs> and he's the same judge that scored a fight last year, twenty nine, twenty nine. So yeah, he probably shouldn't be judging uh, at any of these big shows anymore. He has no clue what he's doing. That lad. Um, but yeah, overall, like, what do you think about that? Like, well, I remember, like, years ago, that, that Reese fight, um, what was it, Tim Barnett, where he just kind of get kept getting taken down over and over, and it, like, it felt like there was another bit of that in this, but also, was as we talked Terry about... Was that Terry Brazier, you mean, was it? Or maybe it was a Terry Brazier fight, yeah. Yeah, it was actually, you're right, correct, yeah. But, like, Re- I feel like Reese needs to do what Ganya does, but, as I said earlier, it's easier to do that at heavyweight. Like, use your footwork... Get and it's a very hard thing to say because the whole fight was changed after 20 seconds, like with that big right hand. But if he could have got back to that and done it, and like when you're looking at the next fight, Graham, or going forward, like he really has to do that because this again for Reese's next fight here is going to be the biggest of his career. Because if you lose, it's that, even more pressure now, isn't massive, it? Like it actually, yeah. like you know, he knows what happens when you lose two in a row in the UFC, and it's probably going to be if you know, hopefully, anyway, it's going to be in Dublin. In a UFC show in Dublin, and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a lot on the line. So, you know, hopefully, they, they you know, they match him up nicely. But, you know, uh, we, we should also mention Lusa had a very good performance. You know, he he came out and you know rocked Reese early and looked powerful and, and quick. And you know, obviously, he did well to survive in the third round under that pressure, under those shots. You know, it, it could have been a different story. So, you definitely have to mention uh, a really good performance from him. Maybe. Um, he was a bit quicker than than Reese expected, and than I expected in the first round. But uh, for Reese, yeah, like um, I think 
you know, uh, he he desperately needs to win the next one. You know, if he if he loses that and gets cut from the UFC, he's probably not going to get back there ever. Like that's yeah. you know maybe I mean, he can come in on short notice or something like that, but yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't be holding your breath on that. So yeah, it's 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 a difficult one. Yeah, like it's, 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 and he knows it's a high that pressure situation coming up. Like yeah, like he said that to me last day. Like if he lost that Jimmy Wallhead fight, he was like, well. Oh, another three fights to get back like uh, that's that might even happen type of thing so yeah he knows but like there's there's fights where he's McGee can win like in the UFC and like as you said loose um, well it depends on what the matchmakers do they care do they want to match yeah. him up nicely or do they, do they want to use him to get somebody you know to beat him do they want to kind of before they let him go do they want to kind of get a big win for somebody in Ireland for example you know you never know what these matchmakers like hopefully he gets a fair matchup or, or a favorable matchup, you know, from an Irish standpoint, but you just never know. Yeah, the type of matchup Sharia got tonight is, is what Reese needs the next time, I think. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with you on the Lusa point, though. Like, what if you're looking in for Lusa, what do you do coming in? Like, try to land that big right hand down through the middle and try to get takedowns. He did that from the very start and over and over throughout the fight so a, a fantastic performance by Lusa and as they were saying in the commentary as well he you know a good prospect I think like I honestly think that this might have been the best performance especially I think early it was, it was a very good performance by him and then to, as, as you said to survive late but it, it was also like in fits and starts from him like he landed the big left hand and then like he won maybe two minutes of the fight, and then for the next like six or seven minutes, it was really all race. And then you know he got that big moment in the middle of the second round again, and then from the end of that, all in the you know or most of the third round, apart from the the early takedown, it was all race again. So like. It wasn't as if Reese didn't win any of the fight or wasn't in with a, in with a chance either. Like he kept going and like he did himself proud in the end. Like no no doubt about that. But you know it was a performance definitely look back on and you'll see the issues and improve from it. And hopefully he comes out and he gets to all by his side. But hopefully he comes out and gets to win uh, next time out. Um, and then Kaelin Lochran, Jesus, like for Kaelin Lochran, the, the change in opponent to go from Yanis Gamori um, to Taylor Lapalus, we were talking about, I think, on the preview show, but in private, like I'd watched a good bit of um, a good bit of Yanis preparing for it, and I was like, God, you know, this is a pretty favourable matchup for Kaelin Lochran. Like I think he's, and and do you know what, maybe then match make him again after um, after tonight, but. They change him up because Yanis can't make weight. He gets in against William Gomez and then they put Taylor Lapalus in with Kaelin Lochran. Um, and Taylor Lapalus, you know, it was a guy who was 3-1 in the UFC before and there was some contractual thing was why he wasn't there. And then he went away and he won fights wearing Aries and other places and he was on a great run and he's long and sharp and a very good striker. And Kaelin had that in his UFC debut on three, uh, three or four days notice against the guy who has, what, four, 13, 14 more fights than him? <laughs> I saw a few people saying, oh, Kaelin Lockhart going in there and he talked a lot of shit and then he got beat. I'm telling you, this this was a, a very, very, very good performance by Kaelin Lockhart and... Yeah, like most fighters wouldn't even wouldn't even have taken that fight, and they would have been right not to have taken it. But he had the balls to go in there and take it, and I thought it it was one of those ones. Like I I, I agree with you on Reese. Like he looked a bit nervous and he didn't perform to his utmost. I thought Kaelin went in there and he didn't look nervous and he tried. And John, we were talking earlier about. And not to say Reese didn't try, but he tried. Uh, my point I was about to make was like you talked earlier about Spivak not going for the takedowns at all the time. Kaelin went for the takedowns at 
all times and he kept going for over and over apart from maybe the last minute which was crucial but we'll talk about that in a second but the the performance from Kalen not even the performance Graham from Kalen but like the overall fucking balls of the man to actually go in there enemy territory as well after all the shit he talked and and uh, even take that fight but uh, what, what did you think of it overall? Yeah it's a very different matchup you know going in against a guy with over 20 fights a guy who was in the UFC successfully and you know much I think uh, the story I heard was that he'd he'd been offered more money to fight elsewhere and that's why he left the UFC but I don't know they seem to be hinting on the broadcast that that he didn't want to leave so I'm not sure about that but anyway going from going from a kind of uh, uh, favorable matchup to a guy with really good takedown defense a long guy a good striker a fast guy an experienced guy Guy who's been there before in the UFC, a guy in his hometown. Like there was a lot stacked against uh, Caitlin Lockwood here, and I know Taylor Lapalos took it on short notice as well. But you know, um, it was it was it was a much bigger ask for Caitlin than his original uh, fight and the, the guy he'd game planned for, and uh, it's just totally different in terms of everything, nearly. So uh, that was obviously you know not ideal and. He'd already said a lot of stuff about the the French and the French MMA and all that stuff. So you know he's he's not a man to back down as as we know. So he obviously uh, kept going, flipped off the crowd, gave them the the old uh, the old wanker hand and uh, and hammed it up and you know made them care about the fight. And you could hear the crowd. You could barely hear his walkout music. We were kind of—is there walkout music? Has he come out to no walkout music, or is it just he's—he's he's just come out to booze? They put it on late, I think, didn't they? Yeah, I think I—I I, I don't know if it was on low, and you just couldn't hear it because the booze were so loud. But you know, that fight was kind of the probably the most probably the most um, kind of interacted with fight. Oh, one hundred percent of the night, yeah. you know, and that's a prelim guy coming in with about three days to promote the fight. So people saying, oh, he talked a lot of shit and he lost. I don't think they understand how, you know, the fight business works and this is what the UFC want and, and like and this is how you become uh, not just another guy. You know, mm. people are going to remember Caelan Lockwood and although he lost and, you know, people are kind of taking satisfaction in that or whatever, like fair enough, like, you you know, uh, you, you want one guy to win or you, for whatever reason, it, it's it's great, but you care about Caelan Lockwood and he's winning and obviously... <sighs> As we said, a tough debut, a really, you know, good second round from him. He kept going for the takedowns, even though he missed, you know, and land, landed kind of on, on all fours a couple of times. He was he was making uh, Taylor Lapidus work for every minute of that. He was making him comfortable. He wasn't letting up. He was he was trying to force his way into range on the feet and land a big shot. Um, yeah, he... he it was an unfortunate moment where maybe he should have went for a body triangle where he kind of had one hook in and he got shook off. Maybe if that was earlier in the fight, if he had got to take down a little bit earlier, it would have been less sweaty and things like that. And he might have been able to do a bit more damage with his ground and pound, which we know we know from uh, previous fights, he had some very good ground and pound. But it's, it's, it, there's loads of good stuff in there for Kalen to go back and, and work on and come back even better. And, you know, yeah, we, we've seen him make make huge uh, improvements between fights in the past, and I'm sure he'll do it again. And, you know, when, you're, when you've gone in there and spent weeks preparing for one guy and a different guy comes in, it, it can be a bit disconcerting. But, you know, for, for everything that went on and for his UFC debut and all that stuff, I thought he put up a, a good performance that he, he can go back and kind of, you know, uh, take a lot from. And, um, you know, it was... Uh, 
it could have been very different if the last 25, 30 seconds had, a, yeah. had it went differently. Yeah. You know, if you had it kept him against the cage and landed a few shots or, or got a takedown or... I think Caelan landed like a kind of glancing, spinning forearm strike. If he had to just kind of, you know, uh, initiated a grappling sequence and nothing had happened from there, he might have squeaked that fight. So, uh, you know, obviously these these uh, these close rounds swing on very small margins and maybe uh, some experience from Naples there pouring it on in the third round won him the fight. I would, I would agree, like... It's about a, a positive and a negative, I suppose, that the fight was won and lost in, in the last minute of the last round, I would say. And, like, if you look at the, the first round, like, Lapalus was landing straight lefts and straight, you know, straight jabs right down through the middle, redding up the face of Caelan Lapalus. He just, like, he couldn't get the takedown. Um, he did get it late, and I think that really gave him heart, I suppose, for... Um, for the second round because the, the takedown you know as you said he wasn't able to get much from it um and you know if you know if it had been gone a different way maybe he could have got a bit of ground upon he wasn't that far behind he could have won around but no he didn't like he had a minute or two but um well it wasn't and Lapalus won that round the second round he did get the takedown he got into the quarter mount you know he landed a good bit of ground about not a massive amount of ground and pound but I thought I thought there was a big mistake as well and I think that's what you were referring to when he kind of went for the arm and slipped off the back I, I think that was more a mistake than unfortunate than anything I think he sh- like he should have got the body triangle there if he could have and just kept that position rather like I know, I know he was kind of I don't think he was necessarily going for an armbar but he was like trying to pry the arm to break him off I think in that situation you let your man kind of try to stand up move him around and take the back there but look he did get the clinch again afterwards and he won the round so it wasn't it wasn't a game changer thing or anything unless he'd have finished him from there but that, that wasn't necessarily it and then in the third round it was just very scrappy I thought like Caelan was landing a way more shots in the third round than he had in any of the other rounds there was one stage he landed kind of a slip left hand I think and it was a lovely shot and like like there was there is a tendency as well. I'm not criticising the commentary but like there is a tendency sometimes you're like oh you're looking at the grappler against the striker here and anything that the grappler lands on the feet is almost ignored because you're just waiting for him to get a takedown. And I think there was a bit of that here for this. And also, just on your point there, sometimes just because a, a strike is pretty or looks looks really nice doesn't mean that the kind of the effect, you know, it, yeah, the effect is is bigger than just a kind of a hook, a big wild yeah. wild hooker. Like you know, sometimes we see some guys landing beautiful strikes, but they get hit with a massive uppercut or they get hit with a massive hook and, you know, the, the impact is bigger. But, you know, obviously in some occasions, the snap, if you get a real snap, it's obviously nicer. But sometimes it's, there's a tendency on the common, commentary to, you know, focus on the the eye-catching strikes. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. And then, like, it came down to the last minute... Kalen just couldn't get a clinch, couldn't get a takedown, and maybe he tried not to. Maybe he was like, "I'm behind here. I need to get the finish." Which, you know, maybe is with experience as well. But it's it's tough. It must be so tough. To, like he could have easily been two rounds down and not really known or whatever. And then you'd be wrong like, "Oh, why aren't you going for it?" Type of thing. So very tough thing to do. He went for it. Ended up getting picked off with like not much, maybe three or four shots, but it was enough. Like in a round like that, if you're a judge, you're sitting there, Jesus lads, one of you do something to make this easy on me. And Lapalus did it. You know, he was the one who did it in the last minute. And I, I haven't talked to the judges or anything now, but I would be very surprised if any of the judges, if you asked them, didn't say that. Yeah, look, it was a close round. Lapalus was probably maybe just ahead. 
and then he kind of took that lead in the last minute around. But you know, for Lockham to even be there, I think I, I, right people really need to understand this. You might say, "Oh, we're biased and we're talking up the Irish lads and all," and fair enough, maybe we are. But at the same time. Anyone out there, ask people who know the European scene, ask them how good Taylor Lapalus is. Go and ask, go and ask Ian Dean or Graham Boylan or, you know, some, you know, a lot of people in the UK who, um, uh, who follow the, the scene or people in France or whoever follow the scene and ask them how good Taylor Lapalus is. And for Kaelin Locker, who's eight fights into his career and really, really only like six fights into his career because the first two were, were not, you know, were not real fights. To get to that level so quickly is is unbelievable. Where he was like a minute away from possibly winning the fight, you know, no, you know, you couldn't say anything bad about Kaelin Lockhart after that. And like the way he like g'd up the crowd and got them all going and everything like that, you know, I I think um, as you said, like it's very hard in this current uh, landscape of MMA with. Fucking, there's there's an LFA card tonight. There's an LFA card next week. There's a Cage Warriors card next week. There's another UFC next week. We've Bellator Dublin coming up. We have a, the the PFL finale coming up. We have PFL Europe coming up. We have uh, every week we have one championship card. We have another one championship on Prime card coming up. And one the week uh, uh, non-stop MMA, non-stop MMA to get people to know who you are, to get people to like, oh, how do you pronounce that lad's name? Type of thing. It's not easy to do. It is really, really not easy to do. Do you know? And do you know what specifies that, right? Do you know Dana White? Do you know the way he does the um, if you don't know, now you know fights? Do you know that? One, yeah. of the, one of the ones he picked out for tonight. Do you know which one it was, Graham? It was um, Volkan Ozdemir versus Bogdan Gusov. <laughs> Volkan Ozdemir has fought for the UFC light heavyweight title. <laughs> And he's like, if you do, have you heard of this guy? <laughs> Imagine if you don't know, now you know. He's fought for the fucking UFC light heavyweight title. Like, what are we doing? Like, what's go? What's going on here? He fought. This lad has fought fucking Giri Prohachka, Daniel Cormier, and uh, Dominic Reyes, Jimmy Manu, and Misha Serkinov, Ovan Sempru. Uh, more and more and more. Fought all these lads. And uh, have you heard of this lad? <laughs> have you heard of this lad? Joe Lozon, have you heard of this lad? <laughs> it's fucking... That, but that is what MMA is in this day, to be even known. And Caelan Lockwood, I, I suppose he's known. I'd say Dana White doesn't even do that. I'd say somebody else just... No, well, <laughs> well, yeah, there's someone else writes it for him, did he does it, but... Anyway, let's, uh, let's move on. Like... Did you see um, John Kavanagh kind of called out Caelan Lockhart on behalf of Brad Gatona there? That wouldn't be a bad Yeah, thing. that was a bit weird, wasn't it? Was that a bit that weird? weird? I'd watch it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, Caelan Lockhart's early in his career. I think he should be fighting somebody like, you know, he was supposed to fight coming into this week, not fighting somebody who's, you know, as experienced as Brad Gatona, a lot of fights. I think, uh, I don't like... Uh, you know, obviously, Bracketone is not not officially an Irish guy, but he's living here, training here for a lot of years, so you get adopted pretty quick over here. I, I always prefer to keep the Irish guys away from each other if possible. And for Caden, I think, you know, he's obviously, he's three years as a pro, you know. I don't think, I, I don't think that's the right route for him. I think that, that would be a weird uh, matchmaking decision. And here was me about here was me about to suggest Kalen versus Brad and Reese versus uh, Kiefer Crosby. So we'll we'll rule them out. So uh, we'll, we'll rule them out. But uh, yeah, um, look, valiant effort for both of the lads. Unfortunate night, I suppose, for Irish MMA. But look, 
we've two lads fighting in the UFC. We can't complain too much about it. So fair play to the two lads. And uh, well, we have we, we have more than two lads fighting in the UFC. We're we're night, coming up yeah, next yeah. week, we have you know obviously. It's it's a tough loss for Reese, but we uh, as we said, there's going to be a lot of pressure on. He could be facing, you know, uh, a must win. He probably is facing a must win. But for Caden, I think there's time to build with the right matchmaking. You know, for a guy early in his career, a guy with a lot of charisma, a guy who can make people care. I think the UFC would be wise to to carefully matchmake him for a few fights and let him develop. You know, I think there's a lot of potential there, and you know, you don't want to you don't want to ruin that by. By giving them two difficult matchups uh, in a row, yeah, um, yeah. So I think you know, but I think the you know, obviously it's not a great night for Irish MMA, but the the future is very bright for Irish MMA. You know, we got Ian Gary. I don't know how he didn't crack the top ten, but he's he's just inside the top ten. He's looking phenomenal. We have, you know, we're gonna go on to talk about Morgan Sherry. We have Paul Hughes knocking on the door. I don't know how he's not in the UFC. You know, Kiefer Crosby fighting next week. We have Lee Hammond. Who is, we have like all these guys coming through. We have. Very impressive uh, young pros and you know very impressive amateurs and you know uh, maybe maybe this will turn out to be wrong but I'll, I'll put it on record. I think there's a very good chance and I think I'm I'm pretty confident that Ian Gary will become uh, a world champion in the UFC. So you know I've said it too. Yeah, that's our there. I'm on record officially. Oh, right. We have it down. Mark the date. Ian Gary, UFC champion. There you go. Um, we, I think we'll give that the severe MMA sign of approval from both of us here. So there you go. Right. Um, would, it, would it be, a, for you, if you were doing your bold predictions, would it be a bold prediction, do you think? Or is it just, is it not a bold prediction because it's, it's, it's too likely to be what? a bold prediction? Do you know what? It's an interesting one, right? Because it feels like if it was a couple of years ago and Usman was the champion and Colby was the number one contender, it probably would be a very bold prediction. But the fact that Usman was beaten, and like we're not kind of sure where he is, like I don't know. I feel like Colby's star has faded a little bit over the last while as well, and um, like I don't think I don't think Leon Edwards is going to hold the belt for too long. I don't, I don't know what it'd be. It look saying anyone who's ranked outside the top ten is going to be a champion unless they're like someone like Habib coming up or Shamayev or whatever is is going to be a bold prediction, but. Yeah, I think he'll do it as well. I think he'll. And now, having said that, I might call it a bold prediction, but maybe it was a, maybe it would be a bold prediction to say it would happen in twenty twenty four. You know, with only three months left in twenty twenty three. So, well, well that just comes down to kind of matchmaking. It's yeah, not more, and it's, it's less of a yeah. talent prediction than more of a like scheduling prediction. Indeed, yeah, indeed. But that's the thing with the bold predictions. But yeah, I can't wait. And I look, speaking of Irish MMA, it looks like Connor's going to be coming back too. It seems like he's, with all the pictures coming out, he's sparring, you know, he's lads like Kieran Clark in with him and stuff. And, you know, hopefully, um, you know, hopefully that's the case as well. And we can see Connor back as well towards the end of the year and it'd be great. And hopefully it'd be great for our numbers and our, our subscriptions and everything. Come on, Connor. Come on, get back. We need you. We need you back, Connor. Come on, put in a good word, Graham. Why are you should but be down now? Sticky and Gary on the same card. Yeah, well, that'd be massive. That'd be massive. But anyway, uh, yeah, the rest of this card, Cavalcante uh, got to win. Basher, Jesus, these Basharat brothers. Farid Basharat just looks so calm, so assured. You know, Rodriguez throwing big shots early, landed a head kick, and he's like, "I'm just going to take you down here. I'm just going to get on top of you. I'm just going to choke you with an arm triangle." Eleven and all. This guy is fucking legit. How about, actually, how about Farid Basharat versus Brad Gatona? That'd be a fucking good fight. 
I'd watch that. Let me let me see that. Anyway, this guy, yeah. championship material as well. He's so good, like very. Yeah, good. like I'd like to see him step up. You know, uh, that was, uh, you know, pretty poor on the ground for Rodriguez. I think uh, he'd be yeah, ran out yeah. of Brazil, ran out of there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like yeah, uh, he looks good. He looks good, Basharat. But I'm I'm wary until I see him step up against you know somebody a little bit better. He did he did lose a split decision recently to CJ uh, Ver, Ver, Vergara. So uh, I, w- I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too confident. I need I need to see a bit more before I'm on the hype train. Who lost this? He didn't lose. He's that's oh yeah, you're talking about uh, Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Yeah, no, he's yeah, not. Yeah, he's yeah. not exactly top caliber. Yeah, you that's, know, fair uh, that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair enough. Um, Nora Carnell won in against Jocelyn Edwards. I saw a lot of people giving out about that decision. I'll be honest, I wasn't watching it uh, close enough, but. Yeah, I'm not going to watch it back either. Who cares? Morgan Sharidan got a lovely body kick finish there. Um, look, Morgan's one of these lads who... And, and uh, funny, I think I'm going to do a podcast about that this week, but, like, there's something about, like, coming through the fire, losing your f- few fights, improving, fighting the best lads in the world, and then you get to a position where uh, you fight a guy like this who maybe hasn't done the same or m- maybe just is a step below you and then you kind of take him out. You know, I, th- I thought this would go longer watching both of them. I thought he'd be a bit more wary. But Sharia looked very good, kicks to the body uh, and finished off Sacchini. Massive star as well, Graham. And like, we all know what uh, the, the last Pirates like over in uh, over in France and this could be a big run for him in the UFC. Yeah, you know, he looked really comfortable. We talked about nerves in another, another fight earlier, but there didn't seem to be any nerves. You know, it was a big moment going in there for, for Morgan Sherry, the crowd behind him. Big, big, big moment making your UC debut. Obviously, a guy who's had his like his ups and downs over the years. Like, he, like you know, he's he's won nineteen times, but he's also not won ten times. You know, nine losses and a draw. So, he, he hasn't been an easy road. He's 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 improved. He's improved a lot uh, over the years, and you know, he's been in there with the with the with the best there there is to offer on the regional scene and in Europe and. He went in there and showed he belongs in the UFC. Um, just a destruction. He looked comfortable. I think he got hit with like one decent shot. Besides that, he he dominated vicious shots to the body. That those kicks were were nasty. Um, he, yeah, he, it wasn't exactly the the toughest matchup, but he he ran through him like you know, like he was like he was a cat. A breakfast roll through Sean on a <laughs> fucking Sunday morning after a big UFC. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and and he did he did it he did it in style. He looked comfortable. He looked he looked like he belonged, and you know, uh, he looks like he's you know like like we've we've been saying for years. He's a very difficult man to beat. You got to be a, a very good fighter to beat Morgan Cherry. Indeed, you do. And shout out Paul Hughes. Um, we're all Paul Hughes. Oh, we want to start again now. I've, I feel like this is kind of a bad night to talk about Paul Hughes. We were like, you know, that's for that's for another day, baby. Although. Paul, you should be in the UFC. Come on, let's get it going. Um, we'll end it on the Gomez one for this card. We'll be talk, touch on next week's card as well. But what about uh, we talk about uh, Benoit? Yeah, just just Odomir one first. Brilliant performance by him. Big takedown, big shots. This Guskov lad, um, you know, I'll be honest. I watched a bit of him coming in, and I'm like, oh, this guy's a bit dangerous. But I'm like, you know, maybe there's something I'm missing. But it did. It didn't really seem so, to be honest. Ozdemir's kind of destroyed him. And in Sandani, uh, yeah, Ozdemir, though, like, was. you know, he can fade. We've seen him. He can. You know, he can be good. Very dangerous. 
dangerous early, so Hot maybe that was Gustav. Yeah. Maybe he was hoping to kind of Homer Simpson for a while, but uh, that didn't work out. Yeah, uh, Spivak was the one doing the Homer Simpson <laughs> in this card, I think. But uh, unfortunately, he didn't get the same result as Homer Simpson got. But good result for uh, Odzimir. Jeez, this Moises Sandani fight. I thought uh, I thought Reese had a chance of getting the fight at night until this, uh, and I assume this got up, but uh, absolute barn burner, back and forth, blood and guts, um, and then a lovely ground and pound finish for Santini towards the end of it. This guy is, looks a real prospect at 155, putting on um, real fun fights as well. And, you know, we were talking about it on the preview show, like you lose to a guy like uh, Lezeki De Santos um, at. Um, at 170, you know, you drop down uh, in weight, I think, for his next fight, and he's, like, undefeated since then, winning winning four in a row. And I know, like, I think he'd fought at 155 before that, if I'm not mistaken. Or I'm looking at his record here. He fought at 165, weirdly enough. But, yeah, most of the time at 170. But come down to 155 and uh, and do what he's done, you know, bump him and Moises now, two wins in a row. That's very, very good for him. And, you know, with shows going to be in France every year, I would expect him to be high up on those cards, and if he can win the fights in between them as well, it could be uh, it could be sky's the limit for him. So I'm looking forward to see where it goes with him. Like, what, what did you think of that, Graham? Word on that? Yeah, you know, I think I think he looked really good. I think that was this was a really good fight. Obviously, uh, as you mentioned, it probably stole the the performance of the night away from Reese McKee, which is which is uh, unfortunate for for from an Irish standpoint or from a Reese McKee standpoint more than anything. But uh, yeah, Sandini, like he looked he looked well rounded. He looked he looked dangerous everywhere, you know. He he, he looked like a big one fifty five er. It's no surprise that he's that he's fought up at uh, one seventy before, but he 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 didn't look he didn't look drained uh, on the uh, on the scale. He didn't look drained walking out. He looked he looked just like a kind of perfect body type for a one fifty five er. And I think he's gonna be he's gonna be a problem, you know. Uh, maybe if he's taking risks and getting into firefights when he when he's winning fights like he did for a couple a couple of moments in 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 this fight maybe that that isn't advisable as you go up to kind of towards the upper echelon or towards anybody near the rankings but you know obviously uh, the circumstances of the fight he felt confident that he that he was able to able to kind of take that chance but yeah it's definitely a a big win and an impressive win and I'll be interested to see who they match him up against, and he's definitely he's definitely one I'll be keeping an eye on, without a doubt. Right, uh, this guy me's finish. Well, I I've kind of thrown my opinion out there on Twitter already. I want to get yours. What did you think of it? The the <sighs> the low blow that wasn't a low blow. Yeah, well, even if even if it wasn't a low blow, which I actually think it was, but even if it wasn't, why would you wave it off? Well, just tell him to keep fighting. Don't wave it off. Why I think he, I think he did kind of tell him to keep fighting, right? And then yeah. immediately, like, well, I told you, so that was it. it was yeah, but like, like if he's getting punched or something, and he's standing there looking at you. Okay, he's not intelligent in defending himself, but he's there's nothing to defend himself from. Yeah, I, I, it was just so weird. Like, like you look at the replay. I don't know what Bisping was fucking talking about. Well, like he was, uh, he he said he said it before he saw the replay, and then he wouldn't budge yeah. from his original. He also opinion. only has one eye as well, so and he kind of did. He kind of did a couple of times. He kind of flirted with changing his opinion, but he he, he remembered how he'd already kind of yeah. And the funniest part was his, set out his stall. You could hear Gooden and Felder in the background going like. Ah! And Look, at, the cup seems to move there. No, no. Uh, okay, okay. When, you can insist. when Bispin went to interview him, when he was gone, they said it didn't. They were like, well, that was pretty clear, but low blow. Yeah, don't tell Bisping, but, uh. Don't tell him. Yeah, like Bisping went full DC. Like, 
I, I really don't you understand get, that's that. It, you get the million dollar contract, Sean. Yeah. But like, I, I've n- oh, Jesus. Like, I've never understood that. Like, yeah, fair enough. Anyone can make a mistake. And go, oh, well, I've seen another angle. You know, you can kind of talk it around for yourself. Oh, actually, in that angle, it does look like he gets... You could just change your opinion. Like, you know, it's with, with new new information, you could change your yeah. opinion. And, and even the replay judge or the replay ref was like, apparently had said, oh, it was below the belt. And Bisping was like, well, you know, below the belt could, could be the hip, you know? Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what, you, what that's not about? what you were saying earlier, but okay. Yeah. But like, if they did, why didn't they just restart the fight? Or like, why didn't they call it no contest? Like, it was... Uh, I think because the ref waved it off like a, for no reason instead of checking it if he yeah. maybe he what's he supposed to do is he supposed to stop it uh, and then like if he's faking it then you you, you you the other guy wins by TKO but if he's if he's not then he's obviously gets gets to recover yeah. uh, I don't know what the ref was doing isn't that thing once the fight is stopped it can't be restarted or something wasn't that it but if like he had put a break you stop in the it for the ball shot and yeah, yeah, yeah. while that's going on while the recovery from the ball shot's going on you check the replay and, and if he's just completely faked it then you go okay well you faked that now you're now you've lost but again it's just one of these things where like some people just do not have what it takes like i wouldn't have it you probably wouldn't have it like to be a referee to like be you know to have the the fucking nerve to do it like just right i i'm taking charge here like i like you're fake taking charge like you're like a, a fake school principal and you're like i'm oh yeah okay Mikey. fight's over fight over this is it i've made the decision like fuck off like just get the right decision there like say a break and go straight over to i think it was leon roberts maybe don't know was it go straight over them and go check that please check it like immediately quick 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 check it and then they check it low blow okay here you got five minutes or there's like it's not a low blow do you want to start if he says no then stop the fight like that's just like common sense like why would you and like why would you do it so fucking quickly like i don't know it just made no sense how would he anyway. be so sure as well like yeah, you know when it's, when it's right there and, the, and you know the cup is clearly glanced at the very least if not like hit yeah or like as i like Say it to the fighter. It's not like it's not a situation where a fighter is land. You know, do you know? Like we were talking a few weeks ago. He's about ago. to get KO'd. Yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. Like, he's, <laughs> the body's been brutalized, yes, and he's just yes. like, "Oh, I got hit in the balls." <laughs> but are are even like a lad is like taking a lot of shots and like, can you continue? Like you could have gone up to him and go, "Can you continue?" And if he had said that to him, I guarantee you would have said yes. But like, can I get my five minutes or whatever? Like, or say like, can you continue? Can you continue? Can like, put him under pressure to say he can continue. And if he says no, then go. Well, it was a legal body shot. Say, fight I don't, over. I say I don't think that was a low blow. You need to continue. Yes. And if he says no, then okay, you're, like, you lose. That we we talked a couple of weeks ago. Or you can you can you can check the yeah. Like sometimes I, I just think I just think you give him the the time and while he, while he's recovering, you yes. just check it real quick. Like sometimes you can talk too much That's one of the occasions where you should talk a lot And like explain it out and go Look this is what's going to happen here sir Like or I don't know What language barrier was or Call in a translator or whatever Like give yourself some time there But like he was like nope I'm the star here I'm making this decision This is it I'm the master of all of this Fight over Fucking prick I hate, like I hate that shit. I re like I really hate that people just trying to be the star of the show themselves. It's like, leave it out, man. Leave it you, out. You don't. You don't think it was incompetency. You think it was more just. Oh, it was pro- Oh, it was incompetency with like cockiness. 
which is the which is the worst combination you can. Which is the worst. That, that's with a, with probably, a touch of arrogance. That's, a, that's probably a good description for this podcast at times. But anyway, uh, we'll move on, Graham, and let's uh, briefly touch on UFC two nine three. The lads will have a full breakdown of this on Thursday over on uh, Patreon. The audio will be up there for free and on YouTube for free as well. And if you're on YouTube Premium and stuff, you can listen to the audio uh, of that. Um, this is this is not a great card. Thankfully, we have Kiefer Crosby on it to give us a bit of additional, um, you know, care, I suppose, about the card. What about that fight, Graham? I watched a bit of Kevin Jusset, and um, I know the lads were talking about it in the, in the group as well, and they were like, this is a lad who's a striker, and he likes to be drawn into a war, which is could also be the description for Kiefer Crosby. Jusset seems like a little bit longer, and he seems like a guy who tries to maybe fight long, but then, as I said, does kind of get drawn into it. Whereas Kiefer... He, you know, not necessarily long, but he li- likes to like you know throw his shots and use his speed. And if his opponent is willing to do the same, he'll get drawn into it too. You know, probably a little bit underrated on the ground. Uh, you know, a lad who's been tested, but it's it feels like he's just kind of coming into his own now. And it'll be interesting to see how the UFC test works out for him and how maybe the additional bit of money and the additional bit of training and all that will bring him on as a fighter. I'm very interested to see this. And what do you think? You, uh, As someone who's been around for, and seen Kiefer since his amateur days and all that, that famous fight with A.O. Daly, I was at it myself as well. Uh, one of the, the most high-level amateur fights I think that's probably ever been uh, showcased on, on, uh, on Irish shores and, and stuff. Anyway, to see him come here and, and get his chance in the UFC. I know we talked about it a couple of weeks ago Graham but uh, it's great that it's coming up here only in uh, in six days time now yeah it's, it's brilliant to see him get there it's brilliant to like you know see uh, from an Irish standpoint we're obviously we're always, always happy to see Irish guys go in there obviously ideally it wouldn't be on very short notice on the other side of the the world in Australia and flying over there very shortly before and all that stuff but you know he's going in there against a guy who's yeah, uh, you know he's not he's not like uh <sighs> He's not maybe you know that experience. You know, three or what three fights ago, he he beat a guy who was zero one by decision, and he lost a split decision before that to a guy who was six and two. So, you know, he, he obviously he he had a couple of good wins recently, eleven and one and twelve and six, but it's it's hard to judge from that. You know, it's it's hard to know exactly where he's at and. You know, Kiefer's had his ups and downs as well. Like, you know, only a couple of years ago, Kiefer had lost two difficult fights in Bellator and had to kind of go and, you know, uh, go to Centurion and go to uh, Rise FC and, you know, fight Cowboy Oliveira in a, in a fight he was brought in to lose. And uh, he went in there and put on a phenomenal performance and his boxing and striking looked better than, looked sharper than it's, looked at, than it's ever looked. And he's putting it all together really nicely and got a great finish there even though the ref didn't, didn't seem to not want to stop the fight uh, on several occasions. And obviously it's not an MMA fight, but he went in there against uh, a former MMA fighter uh, slash celebrity in, in Aaron Chalmers and put on a, a very good, crisp uh, boxing performance uh, in, in, in a unanimous decision victory there. So, yeah, it's it's I think it's a fair matchup. You know, it's a... Uh, Obviously, as I said, it's not ideal having to having to go over to Australia. It'd be it would have been nice if it was on UFC Paris, like a you know an hour an hour or two flight away from from um, from Dublin. But obviously, you're not going to turn down the UFC. He he's delighted to sign for the UFC. He, he even before he signed for Bellator, he did an interview with me in SBG Ireland, and he was talking about how his dream was always to be in the UFC. So it's great to see him get there. 
you know, I think, as you said, I think this is going to be a firefight. I think, uh, I think we could be looking at somebody getting KO'd in the first round. You know, I think this is the kind of fight it's going to be. I think both guys are going to go out there and try, try and impress and try and get a finish. And I think this is going to be a barn burner while it lasts. And, this could go either way. Like it is, like yeah. you know, both guys have have the ability to put to put uh, to put each other away. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Like it's it's one of those fights where uh, it's hard to know how it's going to have uh, how go, how it's going to go. As you said there, because like Sharp both Holmes, guys making a UC debut, who's going to react better to that as well is another thing. Exactly. Like you said, is you know, Kiefer has three more fights than him, which isn't a lot, but like who has fought. Cowboy Oliveira and Georgie Carcanyon, 13 fights into their career, making their USC debut without being like, let's say, someone who's gone on a big run in Bellator or a big run in PFL or whatever. It's very rare you see someone with that level of experience at, at a level actually get into the UFC and, you know, one and one in those fights, but still you've been in there and you've experienced that. So I think that is a little bit of an advantage there for Kiefer. Giuseppe, he has been training, I believe, uh, over with Adesanya, so he's not making that big trip, I don't believe, even though he is French. Now, maybe I'm wrong on that, but I know he has been over there with that camp. Um... And maybe you know the crowd will be behind him there and that as well. So yeah, you know. his camp is talking him up a lot. There's videos out there where the uh, Eugene Berman is talking him up, saying, you know, obviously you got to be a bit wary when coaches are talking up their fighters, try and get them into the UFC and things like that, try to get a bit of hype behind them. But you know, uh, they seem to be very confident that this guy has a bright future. So it will be. It would be a big win for for Kiefer if he can if he can do it. Sorry, yeah. go on there. Absolutely, no, absolutely massive. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like Kiefer, Kiefer's one of those guys as well. I, I said it before. You know, we saw a little bit with Kalen. Like Kiefer is a guy who has a big fan base in Dublin as well. And we know, like, if there's someone from Limerick, I'd be you know oh, deadly. Someone from Limerick, like, there's a dub in there again. And it's funny because like, okay, Ian Gary's from from Dublin and Shauna and stuff as well. But like, there's there is like a large kind of spread out kind of thing like Kaelin is from Tyrone and um, uh, Reese is from up in Ballymena and you know James Gallagher is from Tyrone and all of that and stuff as well but like Kiefer is like a dubs dub kind of thing you know and when he was on those Dublin cards he was you know the guy so like if they were to go back to Dublin as well, he could become that guy there again. And, you know, there's a lot of Irish down in Australia as well. And maybe he goes out there and he gets a big roar as well. I wouldn't be surprised at that at all. So, you know, that's a, a big plus Kiefer has in his pocket as well. And if he can get the win, you know, it's, it's uh, absolutely uh, absolutely even a bonus there. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. And uh, as we always say, great to have another Irish guy in uh, in the UFC. Um, so, yeah. Are you, are you looking forward to all the, oh, he's trying to be Conor McGregor? Like uh, we get every time, even yeah. with people like Reese McKee. Yeah. <laughs> who, uh, to be fair, who, uh, though, Kiefer probably is the most like Connor out of all of them. Though, would you say that? Like, he is like. Similar. I don't think he's trying to be Connor. No, no, I think no, like no. because he's Naturally. from a similar area and yeah. has a similar accent, uh, people are immediately gonna. Well, for me, living in Dublin, being around like you know, uh, these uh, to me like they're completely different. Like, but yeah. uh, I could see how with very similar accents and mannerisms and kind of like. Uh, when you're from certain areas, you, you you use certain phrases more often. Like you know, obviously you live in Limerick, you have different kind of uh, Limerick phrases than Dublin phrases. Yeah, like uh, the Kalen one was the weirdest of all. Like he is the strongest. <laughs> The fucking Tyrone accent you could ever see. He lives in Liverpool, and people, oh, he's just trying to be Conor McGregor. He's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it couldn't be more different than, but yeah, like Kiefer is kind of like a dub, like Connor's a dub kind of thing. Like, so I, I, there is a more natural comparison. Like even, even Ian Gary, I don't like. I don't. 
and I, I don't know how this works, but I feel like Connor's a north sider, Ian, Ian's a south sider type of thing. Would that be correct, Graham? I have no idea, but... I'm just trying to remember where exactly in Dublin Ian is from. But it seems that way, though. Like, one seems like a posh Dublin. Or he's posher. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's from a posher area, I guess. Yeah, he'd be your type of neighbor, no. you, you and Andy Stevenson. Like, he'd well, be I, actually, I actually moved to a, a more affluent area uh, no. as a... As a uh, no, no, when I was about ten years old. Oh, we were about ten. Oh, yeah, well, okay, well, fair enough. Right, uh, we'll talk about the main event so briefly before we go. Uh, Adesanya versus Strickland, and um, I'm going on another show about this tomorrow, Graham. And I was thinking about what what I would say, and honestly, I'm not, I'm not too sure to be honest because, like, you would think, so Sean Strickland to me is like he's like. Aldi version of a technical fighter, if you if you know what I mean. Like middleweight is so bad that a guy who kind of plays at a technical fighter can beat them all, right? But when he meets an actually very good technical striker like Adesanya, there really should be no comparison there, should there? Like he really just should. I think it's a little harsh on Strickland. I think he has a bit of like herky jerkiness or strange timing or just like awkwardness to him. That's that's he's not just like maybe as bad as as some people make him out to be or maybe I know he's not bad but I think he's like found it's like he's found a way to defeat the division rather than actually being like so good that you're defeating the division if you get me like I wonder how long that'll take him like will it take him to beat Adesanya like I don't know I I, I would say no but like I'd be very surprised I'd be very very surprised but also like I'm not saying that Adesanya will lose, right? I, I've, I, I don't see really any world where Adesanya loses. But like, is there a world where Adesanya is just like, I'm not playing into that, and I'm just gonna kind of jab him up and stay away from him from the whole night and make it another Adesanya performance? Like you would think, you know, in a fight like this, where Strickland's like not the biggest power puncher in the world, like you're gonna have a massive technical advantage over him. Like this is a sort of fight if you're Adesanya. It's, you know, Strickland's going to talk a lot of shit. People are going to be interested in this. This is one where you put on a show and you destroy him. But like, and he's going well, to say he will. If, if early, I think he's shown this in the past. If early he's cruising, just kind of on the outside and just yeah. picking them off, he's going to keep doing that. Unless yeah. he has to, you know, up it. <laughs> he's going to take the kind of safe, smart, uh, easy victory if, if, that's, if that's forthcoming. Yeah, I agree, and also that's undeniable. I think I also feel like Strickland is one of these lads. Do you know sometimes in boxing, like some people are like, "Oh, if I get to the decision, it's a victory, a moral victory." Type of me, even though I lost like you know one twenty to one ten. Uh, who, who was it? Was it uh, Patrick Cote holding up the the three fingers when he got to the the third round when his leg was about to fall off against really? Anderson Silva? <laughs> <laughs> it's like man, your legs about to fall off. What are you talking about? Yeah, that that sort of thing. Like I feel like Strickland might do that. Like Strickland is obviously a fake character character and all of that and just a like a, a pretty horrible type of guy but like I, I do think at the deep down he's one of these lads that's like is really like insecure and trying to be keep any part of his pride that he has even though like he talks like he has none type of thing like and I, it that's the recipe for like a bad fight really now I, I hope it's not because I hope no I don't hope but I think Adesanya is just so far and away better than him. He should beat him up, right? He should really, really beat him up. But I just have no 
um, reliance on Adesanya to actually do that. And like, if you do, you're a, you're like probably you're pretty stupid. Like he did it to Pereira in the last fight because he kind of had to because he knew what fight Pereira was going to do it. And like he's done it in other fights as well, so he can do it. And he, I, this is not me saying he's a bad fighter. This is exact opposite. This is me saying he's actually a really, really, really good fighter that sometimes often actually fights within himself. Like. The the obviously the Cannoneer fight massively fought within himself. The Vittori fight somewhat. The Whitaker fight even. Look the Romero fight. Obviously he didn't draw a bunch for the whole whole fight. Although that's understandable when you're fighting Romero. But then we have like the magnificent fight against Gastelum. You know the brilliant win against Pereira. The brilliant win against Whitaker the first time out and all of that. And even I didn't even mention he's two losses there because you know I don't I don't think he necessarily fought that badly against Pereira. And I think Blahovic is just a, a bigger, better fighter than him on that night. So yeah, I mean I'm interested, but if you were to if you were to um guess Graham, do you think it'll be one of those ones that does go to five rounds and he kind of spars his way through it or do you think he will up and, and get the finish? Um I, I think it depends on Strickland. If Strickland is happy to kind of lose a decision, as you say, then I think that's probably going to happen. If he does try to make stuff happen and try to kind of force the issue against Alessania, he probably end up running into something uh, big and getting finished at some stage over five rounds. But, you know, Sean Strickland's kind of known a, a lot over the years for a pretty boring fight. So, you know, I wouldn't be too surprised if this one wasn't too exciting. But, um yeah, I think you know Adesanya's probably going to be in second gear for most of the fight and if if Sean Strickland gets desperate and tries to make stuff happen he'll obviously you know take anything that's presented to him and, and things like that but uh, yeah I think I think he's going to he's going to kind of Adesanya's going to win by kind of however he wants to win yeah indeed uh, last thing before we go uh, I don't know if you wanted to touch on this or not but there has been uh, an investment in PFL by Saudi Arabia um, this week, which caused the stock price of the U, uh, the WWE slash kind of new call with the UFC as we as we know now to to fall by a lot. Um, now it's only a small investment in the PFL, and there's an event going to be on there. And obviously, we know what Francis Ngannou's fight. I know it's a boxing match, but that's also going to be on in Saudi Arabia. And we've seen what's happened with golfer. They basically now own the sport. We've seen what's happened with association football, where you know it looks like I know I know you might not like this, but like probably you know the best player in the world at the moment, in in or the, maybe the second best player in the world, in Mo Salah. It looks like he's going to go there, and possibly in you know you, you now. Think so? What do you mean that he's the second you best? Think player he's going to go in the, in the next few well, days. Oh. Um, he could, like, probably, he could. It could probably be next year. Maybe, yeah, uh, maybe next year. But even, even then, like Neymar's gone there, yeah, Ronaldo's gone there. Uh, yeah, the fact that they're going to, you know, this is obviously unrelated to MMA, but the fact that they're able to kind of own multiple clubs and kind of try and disrupt other clubs that are rivals to, to, to yeah. clubs the Saudi zone, like they're, they're not exactly, you know, known by playing fair. <laughs> but at the same time, <laughs> at the very least. Yeah. There's a massive, massive investment. No, I'm not saying that as a positive thing. In, in fact, the opposite. But what if that investment comes to MMA? Like, I, I know you. I saw you retweeting something about it the other day. Like, I, I, we spoke about this maybe a year ago, and I said I was surprised it hadn't happened already. Yeah. And I'm very much unsurprised that it's happening now. And I would be. Are you surprised it happened to PFL and not UFC? Um, not necessarily uh, because of the massive, I suppose, um, merger between the WWE and the UFC that just happened. Plus. The big thing about that is um, 
Ari Emanuel kind of got out of business with Saudi Arabia after the whole Khashoggi thing that happened a few years. The Khashoggi thing, people don't know, a journalist was murdered and um, not just decapitated, but his whole body torn to shreds and and all of that. And the Saudi Arabian um, hierarchy, I suppose, in, in the country were, were, uh, were behind it and all that. So obviously read up on that, uh, get a better explanation than I gave it. But they kind of... Um, Endeavor or IMG at the time had relationships with them and different business things and cut them off at the time. Now WWE still has a relationship with them. We'll see if the relationships get back together and all. But because of that, I don't think the UFC would be the nominal one or the, the, the number one one, I suppose, immediately. And the PFL is an organization whose... Look, it looks like they're going to buy Bellator. We don't know. It hasn't happened yet, but an article came out. They, they, must, they must be about to buy Bellator because yeah. Saudis, surely 100 million probably would have bought Bellator. Yeah, they're, they're saying 500 million for Bellator now, which seems <laughs> which seems absolutely crazy. But um, yeah, I think this, this could have massive, massive, massive ramifications for the sport. Uh, in and not only this, term. you know, yeah. you know, the UFC lawsuit we were talking about it recently. That's gonna have like you know that didn't affect the share price much, but this did. So yes. maybe, yeah, it's strange. Maybe people aren't really clued in on what's going on, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a treacherous waters for the for the UFC at the moment. There's a, a yeah. lot of stuff going on in the background. And the thing is, let's say if the let's say these two UFC lawsuits uh, are, uh, and we should maybe call one of them an MMA lawsuit, which changes how MMA is done. Let's say it's all successful. That'll massively affect, um, let's say, the 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 the, uh, the Ari Emanuel run company, right? Uh, Nuco, the UFC. But the the Saudis don't give a shit about money. <laughs> like they want to play. What do they want to pay Mo Salah? Um, uh, like five hundred grand a week or a million a week or something like that. They're paying Jordan Henderson like one point five million a week. Apparently, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's hard to believe any of the reports in in football media. True, but like no, there's no doubt about it that these lads are getting massive money. Like golf, they were throwing three hundred million at people. Like money is no object to these people. If they want MMA, they will pay for it. They will pay every piece of money they want. Like money is literally no object for them. That, that doesn't matter. How much do you see spending a year on on like fights? I don't know, like a billion. Let's say a billion quid. They have no problems in. Let's you know, let's double everyone's wages. Let's pay them two billion. Like that's nothing to them. So if they choose to do that, which they seemingly have started that in motion. Now, with only a small bit, and uh, I read the article that was like, oh, there's no plans for more and all that. Now, let's see how the plans change. And I think those plans probably will change pretty quickly uh, in, the, in the future. So I would say watch this space, Graham. I don't think there's ever been a more interesting time for um, how the top level of MMA is going to change in the next 18 months. I think it's massive, massive, massive time for mixed martial arts and um, there's going to be a lot of to and fro I think that's the that's the truth. Alright, we will leave it there. Thank you to everybody for tuning in. If you're not signed up to our Patreon, please do patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast. It's the first week of the month, so the best time to sign up, so please do that there. Um, and yeah, uh, go over to our friends at kildarelab.com, use the promo code severe for 20% off. 
follow me at Sean Sheehan BA over on Twitter follow Graham at Severe Met follow at Severe Met Pod follow us on Instagram as well we just passed 3,000 um, followers so we're very very appreciative of that SevereMMA.com also on YouTube I think we're only like 20 away from passing 30,000 subscribers so if you're not subscribed on YouTube please do these podcasts actually go out on YouTube as well so if you're a YouTube premium subscriber and you want to listen to it on your phone you can also listen to there so that's absolutely perfect for everyone we leave it at that Graham what's your quote for the week in the event of something happening to me, there is something I would like you all to see. It's just a photograph of someone that I knew. We'll see you next week. Good luck. Michael! The Count! Such a lovable guy. I actually have been to a lot of people. You know, we get along. No, just fine. (laughs) I never want to punch you in the face, ever. We all know Bisping can dish it out, but he has a hard time taking it. Dominic's good at getting under your skin, and we are having a little altercation. He's saying, you want to punch me right now, don't you, Bisping? You want to punch me? And I'm like, yeah, I kind of do. And he's like, come on, fucking punch me. Punch me. Why don't we let Bisping go? He wants to talk. No, 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 no. Dominic, you are the wizard. You are the expert. I am merely, you know, just here in awe of you.